Well, hello there. My name is Henry, and I'm starting my new podcast here on uh, this program is called uh, Search the Scriptures. And the goal for this is trying to answer questions that many of you may have or question or have in your mind that never had to um, have the opportunity to question or you may question and you may not get the satisfying answer. But the bottom line here is just to ask the common questions about who is God? You know, who, who, you know what purpose, what's my purpose in this world? Does God exist? Is the Bible the word of God? What is the Trinity? Is there an uh, afterlife, heaven and earth? I mean, excuse me, heaven and hell, new heavens and a new earth. What does this all mean? Why is this all important? Well, today we're just going to look at uh, the qu- a common question and answer. And my answers is going to be from the Word of God. Because like, as we will look at um, in the next c- couple of weeks, that the Bible is the Word of God, the, the divine authority to, to mankind, especially those who believe and trust in His Word. And we'll get into that uh, probably next week. But right now, I'm going to use a question and answer. It's from the Westminster Larger Catechism. It is a a creed of the Protestant faith that's been around for hundreds of years. And um, just want to make this clear that the catechism, the Protestant catechism, is not the divine authority. It is a summary of the Christian doctrine and is... uh, it just tells us what we believe, what the Bible teaches concerning the Christian faith, the biblical Christian faith. And that's important. Everybody has a creed. There's some churches that says no creed but Christ. Well, guess what? That's a creed. Okay. Everybody has a creed. Whether you're a Christian or not, you have something that you believe in and you live by it. It is your golden rule. But, but just because you believe in something that doesn't mean it's true. And that's important because, quite frankly, your eternal, is, uh, your eternal soul depends upon uh, what you believe in that. But I just want to get into here concerning the existence of God. Many have been challenging this subject about God's existence. Whether there is a God or does he exist and how and all these kind of fun questions. Okay, now I just want to open a word of prayer and uh, and then we'll look in and dig into the word of God concerning um, God's existence. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. I pray you bless this study to every one of our hearts today. And I pray the Holy Spirit will give light and understanding of the scriptures in the heart and minds of those who uh, needs to be uh, to, to help them to see the truth. And everyone who has trusted in Jesus Christ, that this teaching will be a source of strength um, in, in their faith and, and, um, and give us wisdom and able to also to use these means of studying your word to able to bring light to others who may have a lot of questions or, 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 or uh, doubts concerning uh, your existence. May you bring it to reality. And that you may shine Christ as their Lord and Savior. In his name I pray this. Amen. Okay. 
Here's a larger catechism question of the Westminster. It says, uh, how do it appear, excuse me, how do it appear that there is a God? And the answer is the very light of nature in man and the works of God declare plainly that there is a God. But his word and spirit only do sufficiently and effectually reveal him unto men for their salvation. So, how do we know or in what way that God reveals his existence? Well, in a general revelation, what that means is that God generally reveals himself to all mankind without exception of his existence and holds and holds mankind without excuse for this knowledge. How do we know there's a God? Well, God does make himself known plainly through the work of his creation. Listen to Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him because their because they became futile in their thinking and their foolish heart was darkened. That was Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. Then Psalm 19, verse 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are their words whose voice is not heard. Their voice go out through all the earth and their words to the, ends, to the end of the world. Again, Psalm 19, verse 14, uh, verse 1 through 4. I'm sorry, Psalm 19, verse 1 through 4. I want to look at that very briefly here on each of these passages I quoted. It says here, first of all, the Apostle Paul in Romans um, it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Its theme of his Romans is that a man is justified by faith. There's a righteousness of God that he receives by faith, not his own righteousness through Jesus Christ. By the merits of Christ, we're justified in, the, in Christ alone, and we receive his righteousness imputed to us by faith and faith alone, not by works. Now, he, he starts in Romans, in Romans chapter 18, verse, excuse me, verse, chapter 1, verse 18, the, from chapter 1 to chapter 3. He reveals man's um, a miserable condition without a Savior. The man is under the wrath of God. And he explains why God's wrath is against all mankind without exception. In verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of man who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Here's 
here's the first indictment. Here's the indictment of all of us by nature. We suppress the truth in our righteousness. So what God reveals himself through his work of creation, and what does we do when we see the truth and know um, plainly that God exists um, and his mighty works reveal it? We suppress it. We, it, we, we rebel against it. Listen to the word of God again. Verse 19 in Romans chapter 1. For what can be known about God is plain to them. God is a great revealer. He's the great master teacher. Well, God reveals something that is clear. It is obvious. God doesn't play games. He doesn't play hide and seek. He reveals himself. His glory exposes in all of what he does. He says, what can be known about God is plain to them. In other words, it's unmistakable. Next phrase, because God has shown it to them. It is plain to us because God has revealed it to us that of his glorious existence. And it also reveals some of his attributes, not as clear as the word of God, but his attributes is manifested by his um, glorious uh, uh, work of creation. For his invisible attributes, so God is by nature invisible. Someone probably, and uh, someone has mentioned to me, and some I'm sure many of you may question it. Well, I don't see God. I need to know that he exists. Well, you don't see God because it says here, for his invisible attributes of nature, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Even though God is invisible, his glorious attributes cannot be seen in the eyes of man. He is invisible, yet he manifests his, his divine attributes or some of his divine attributes, his eternal power and divine, divine nature by the things he has created, the things he has made. The things that is revealed before our eyes, that we, we just at awe of his creation. So the reason why you don't see God, because he is invisible by nature. He is a spirit. God is his spirit. He doesn't have a body like man by nature. And we speak of the triune God, one God, three persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's clearly perceived his eternal power. It cannot be, it's undeniable that God has his powers omnipotent and everlasting. Because when we see the creation of, of his creation that he created, all things in this earth and outside of this earth, the universe, I mean, just really, it just recently, man, can succeed the whole glory of God and all the universe and all the, the, the planets that hangs in midair. By the word of his power, according to Hebrews chapter 1, his eternal power and, and glory is manifested and how endless it seems in, before our eyes to his work of creation. Such beauty, such um, um, power, omnipotence that is revealed daily of God, it, it's revealed to them. He has revealed it to us. It is, it's so obvious. 
you know, when you see a building, how do you know there's a builder? You can't see the builder. You've not met the builder, but you know there's a builder by the, by the while looking at the building. When you look at a paint, how do you know there's a painter? By looking at the paint. He may have a signature down the bottom, who that person is. So it, it's, it's irrational to, 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 to deny or, or even demand uh, the, uh, and, and turn to demand proof of God's existence where God has manifest his existence through the mighty work of creation. And not only that, but what is our response? We suppress the truth and the right. When we say, we challenge God's existence or challenge or say to there is no God, be an atheist, what we're doing is we are vindicating why God is wrath is upon us because we had take the very obvious things and very plain evidence that God has revealed to us and we're suppressing it. But also, it's clear in this passage that God made it so clear to us of his glory and power that he holds us an extreme accountable for this truth and knowledge. It says here, have been clear, have, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that, that have been made, so they are without excuse. That's verse 20. And then verse 21, here, here's the indictment. For although they knew God, isn't that interesting? This word of God, God says from his word, the word of God says, you, everyone know God is, does exist. He's hold everyone without excuse. There's no excuse from anyone to say there is no God. Or God doesn't prove, uh, give enough evidence of his existence. No. Not only God made it plain, but he hold us accountable of this clear revelation of his glory through his mighty works of creation and providence. And he also said, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave him gave thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish heart was darkened. See, the issue is not God, uh, not given enough um, proof of his existence. God has made it clear. We all know there is a God. The issue is with us because we suppress that truth and in, in rebellion, it says in, uh, by their own, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. He says he, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So we knew that God, we know that God exists, but we would not give him all the glory and honor and thanks and worship he's deserved to receive from us as his creature. But we became futile or vain in our thinking and our foolish heart had, were darkened. The issue is not um, God. The issue is with us. And we, we suppress the truth because we are by nature ungodly and unrighteousness and we do so in our unrighteousness, suppressing the truth and our thought process and our thoughts, our thinking is, and our hearts is filled with foolishness and vain thoughts and we refuse to give glory and honor to God who we knew, we know clearly 
of his existence. What an indictment. What a, what a terrible situation we create ourselves. And what a terrible thing to, to say to God that uh, he, you don't give us enough evidence of proof. There's no proof of evidence of God. But meanwhile, we know him, of his existence because his glory is everywhere in the creation, in the heavens, in, in um, earth, and, under, and in the, under the sea with all the glorious uh, creation of the fishes, of the birds in the air, and, and all the reptiles, and the birth of a, of a, of a, of a human being. Um, and, and it just goes on and on and on. We are held without excuse. God reveals his existence also by his providence. Providence simply means that God preserve, caring, and governing all his creatures and all their actions by his wisdom and power. Listen to Acts chapter 14, verse 16 through 17. In past generation, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. That is, at the time where God only dealt with Israel directly in special revelation, as far as revealing his word and so on, the promises of the Messiah, other nations were left in the dark at that time. Verse 17, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Notice that God has left a witness of all of us, his goodness by giving us rain from heaven and giving us fruitful season, harvest time, we get fruits and vegetables, we get our food, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. <coughs> All mankind, without exception, God bear witness of his goodness by his provision, pro providing every man's needs according to his purpose and will. And the portion of that he, he gives is up to his good pleasure. Some may have some portion of his, receive some of his portion in, in a very uh, minimal way or, or, or overwhelming, but nevertheless, he bears witness of his goodness that every man eats or drinks or receive fruits or veggies um, and, and satisfying their hearts with food and gladness. Session in this country, United States of America, in Europe, in other parts of the world, yes, there are famines, yes, there are poor people, but even they re receive some portion of God bear witness, God bear witness, some of even the poor people of his goods providing some provision for them, no matter what the portion he chooses to give. God bear witness that he is a good God, that he provides and man does not, uh, is not left without witness by uh, of God. So, in Matthew chapter five, verse forty-three to forty, uh, verses forty-three to forty-five. I'm sorry, my my mouth is getting very uh, <laughs> try talking too much. You have heard that it was said, "You sh you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rains on the just and the unjust. So God's common grace of love and compassion and care for all of his creatures and, and man 
by his sending uh, rain and and sends um, he makes the sun rises and the even and the good and sends rain for the just and the unjust. God bear witness of his goodness and grace both to unbelievers and believers. He also bear witness in our conscience. Everyone by nature, whether we have the word of God or not, knows that lying is wrong. Know that stealing is wrong. Know that stealing someone's wife, adultery, is wrong. Knowing that, um, um, you know, um, murder is wrong. Now, how is it that a person who may not even seen the Bible, but know that this these things are true, knowing can actually make it discerning that lying is no good, uh, murder is no good, and even if the person commit lying or stealing or something, that their conscience uh, bear witness of and troubles them when they do commit this. Well, here's the truth. Here's what the Word of God said. Here's the reason why. In Romans chapter 2, verse 14 to 16, For when the Gentiles, who did not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the Lord is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bear witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of, of men by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus. Very, very, God has written the law in our conscience. And that's why uh, we're able to understand what's, what's right and what's wrong. And when we do what is wrong instead of doing right, we go against our conscience and that becomes a, uh, a burden. And we, we, we um, pollute our conscience constantly because we do not always, or if not ever, do what is uh, what the law requires in our conscience to do perfectly. So, the question now is: Is the issue of some people now is is the issue with some people who do not believe in God's existence is an intellectual problem or is it a moral problem? Well, it's a moral problem in a spiritual way. As we looked at in Romans chapter one, verse eighteen through um, eighteen through um, <clears throat> twenty-one, that man in their unrighteousness suppress the truth in unrighteousness, and we and we knew God, but we refused to give honor and glory to God and, and praise Him and thank Him and worship Him. So it is a the issue is not that God didn't leave. Um, uh, enough evidence, nor is this a intellectual issue where we cannot understand it or intellectually know the existence of God. That That is not possible because God plainly reveals himself to us and he holds all men without excuse. But also Psalm 14 verse 1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. So we see, and this is this fine. A person who believe, says there is no God is do so foolishly, as we 
as I exhaust them explaining from Romans 1. And also notice the uh, moral um, character of an atheist or anyone by nature, all mankind by nature, but especially one who uh, insists uh, suppressing the truth, suppressing the conscience um, about the, 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 the truth who God is, that the knowledge he's received in general revelation for in, in his creation, all that. He is a fool in his heart. They are corrupt. They do abominable things. There is none that who does good. We are, by nature, are atheists in heart that we don't want uh, God to be God in our, in our lives. We're rebelling against God. We, we, we want to create our own God, and we don't want to be held accountable. And such, such a, an expression of rebellion is, uh, manifests our corruption and how abominable we are without God's mercy and grace through Jesus Christ. Uh, can we be saved through this by natural revelation? That is the revelation that God reveals himself through creation. That is that alone could help anyone to, to be saved from their sins and the wrath to come. And the answer is no, because God has ordained his, the word of God as a means to save sinners through Jesus Christ by faith. The word of God is, is the only sufficient revelation for salvation. Um, <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, verse 12 through 17 says, For there is no distinction between Greek, a Jew or Greek, Jew and Greek, I'm sorry. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to bear to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, the good news. But they have they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10, verse 10 through uh, verse 12 to 17. So God has ordained the means of the word of God, the preaching of the word of God, and he sends missionaries and preaching uh, ministers so man may hear the word of God and by God's grace will hear it and believe and be saved. And this is what is called special revelation. This is given unto everyone who hears the gospel when God sends the word out. This is uh, the only means how anyone is going to be saved from sin and from the eternal wrath of God. It's only by the word of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 5 through 17. It says that, uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable or useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped 
unto good works. I skipped verse 15. I'm sorry. Let me go back to verse 15. And from the childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the Bible, the word of God, the gospel, the, is the, the only means that God reveals himself and, and reveals his son, Jesus Christ, as the only remedy for our uh, miserable condition, that repentance and faith in his son is the only way to be saved. Creation, revelation of God's glory and creation only holds man without excuse of that light. But the, 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 the greater light, the most glorious light, is the message of the gospel through Jesus Christ by faith of whom that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune Godhead, became a man, born in the, in the womb of, of, of the virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, became fully God and fully man, who is fully God, became fully man, fully God and fully man, one person, two distinct nature, and be, to become a mediator or substitute sacrifice uh, at the cross to save his people from their sins. In fact, uh, the, 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 the name Jesus means he shall save his people from their sins. Christ came to save sinners and rescue them from their sins and from the eternal penalty and that we may have eternal life by faith in him. Okay, faith and repentance through him that we have eternal life. He rose again on the third day. To, he, he died and was crucified on, on, on the cross and buried according to the scriptures. And he rose again and seated at the right hand of the Father according to uh, the scriptures. He is a living Savior, a living Messiah. He is a living God. All authority is given unto him. Heaven and earth, he says in Matthew 28, <clears throat> Jesus Christ is Lord, a living Lord, a living Savior, and He will give have, and um, He will give eternal life as many as the Father gives Him, according to John seventeen verse two. Although we have the the Word of God, the special revelation, and the Word of God is uh, is reaching out to uh, almost all men. And all men have heard the gospel to, in, uh, to a degree, not every man without exception, but there's some, many who has heard it. Many of you have probably heard it more than one time, or maybe this is the first time you heard it. But nevertheless, it was God who's bringing the word out to you, okay? But that's not enough to be saved, because our heart is so hard, we will suppress not only the truth of the the existence of God, but is by nature will suppress the truth of the only way to be saved by God through Jesus Christ. We may suppress God's word by twisting what it says, denying the truth of it, denying the, the testimony of scripture, denying that Jesus is the only way, or creating um, more corruption of, uh, of a false Christian, Christian faith. So therefore, a man cannot be saved unless the effectual work of the Holy Spirit by using God to save his, his elect people without distinction, unlike general revelations given to all men without exception. In other words, whatever the gospel is being preached, it's not, it's not preached to every human being as, 
as natural revelation does. It reveals every man born into this world, but the gospels reveal um, to to for all people uh, without distinction, not without with exception. In other words, the gospel is going to go out to people whom God sends the word out to, and he's going to save those whom he eternally purposed to save through Jesus Christ. And this is a miraculous work of God. When God regenerates us and become born again by the Spirit of God, he opens our eyes to, uh, to the Word, and the Word um, becomes um, an instrument that God uses to bring the spiritual birth. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23-25, Having been born again, not of corruptible, uh, corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which live and abides forever. Um, James chapter one, verse 18, in the exercise of his will, that is God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we may be a, we may be a kind of first fruit among creatures. And last, second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13 to 15, but we shall always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification and by the spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you, you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and so on. So what is the evidence and the proof that one has experienced the miraculous work of salvation in, through the gospel when a person responds by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, believing and repenting of his sins and following him is the evidence of one who has experienced the spiritual miraculous birth um, through the ministry work of the Holy Spirit and through the gospel. In fact, I'll close with this in John chapter, the gospel according, uh, the gospel of John chapter one, it says this, um, ooh, I'm in chapter two, sorry. Okay. It says that, but all who receive Oh, let me go back to verse 10. It's talking about Christ coming into the world, that Christ pre-existed before he became man, that he was always God. He's the creator of all things. And then in verse 10, he was in the world as Jesus when he became born into the, in, uh, in the world. And the world was created through him, as Jesus created, the Father created all things through Jesus Christ. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. That's the nation of Israel. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or the will of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. So what made what made the difference for these people? Why did these people believe and become children of God? Um, while the rest of the world and, and the nation of Israel rejected him. What made them so special? Well, it was nothing in them in itself. They were, they believed and became children of God. They received him and they believed in his name because that is the evidence, not the cause, but the evidence that they were born not of natural descent, 
nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. My friend, if you heard the word of God today, and God has opened your heart and spiritual eyes that you are lost in need of a Savior, and you bow the knee, your, your face before the feet of Jesus Christ, and ask of him for mercy and forgiveness and repenting of his sins, it is because you've been born again. It is because God had mercy on you and open your eyes and give you life in Christ, not because of anything you have done, because there was nothing you have done, and there was nothing anyone could do to receive God's mercy and favor on our own, because we are by nature in rebellion. As, we, as I mentioned in Romans chapter 1, we suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We knew God, but we refused to glorify him and give him thanks. Um, the Bible said there is none righteous, no, not one. We are, all our righteousness is filthy rags, according to Isaiah 64. We have nothing, there is, we have nothing and there is nothing in us that will move God to save us apart of his mercy through Jesus Christ. Repent and believe on him. Believe on the word, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And when you have become saved, we got, and you re, uh, there's signs and evidence that the Holy Spirit has done a miraculous work and you repent and believe in Christ and surrender to his lordship that is the evidence you've been born again and you have eternal life so thank you for this time I'll continue next week Lord willing concerning about the word of God and, and, and how do we know the Bible is the word of God the Lord bless you bye bye Well, hello there. My name is Henry, and I'm starting my new podcast here on uh, this program is called uh, Search the Scriptures. And the goal for this is trying to answer questions that many of you may have or question or have in your mind that never had to um, have the opportunity to question. Or you may question and you may not get the satisfying answer. But the bottom line here is just to ask the common questions about who is God? You know, who, you know, what purpose, what's my purpose in this world? Does God exist? Is the Bible the word of God? What is the Trinity? Is there an afterlife, heaven and earth? I mean, excuse me, heaven and hell, new heavens and a new earth. What does this all mean? Why is this all important? Well, today we're just going to look at uh, the a common question and answer. And my answers is going to be from the Word of God. Because as we will look at um, in the next couple of weeks, that the Bible is the Word of God, the, the divine authority to, to mankind, especially those who believe and trust in His Word. And we'll get into that uh, probably next week. But right now, I'm going to use a question and answer. It's from the Westminster Larger Catechism. It is a, a creed of the Protestant faith that's been around for hundreds of years. 
And um, just want to make this clear that the catechism, the Protestant catechism is not the divine authority. It is a summary of the Christian doctrine. And is, uh, it just tells us what we believe, what the Bible teaches concerning the Christian faith, the biblical Christian faith. And that's important. Everybody has a creed. There's some churches that says no creed but Christ. Well, guess what? That's a creed. Okay. Everybody has a creed. Whether you're a Christian or not, you have something that you believe in and you live by it. It is your golden rule. But but just because you believe in something, that doesn't mean it's true. And that's important because, quite frankly, your eternal, is it, uh, your eternal soul depends upon what you believe in that. But I just want to get into here concerning the existence of God. Many has been challenging the subject about God's existence, whether there is a God or does he exist and how and all these kind of fun questions. Okay, now I just want to open a word of prayer and uh, and then we'll look in and dig into the word of God concerning um, God's existence. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. I pray you bless this study to every one of our hearts today. And I pray the Holy Spirit will give light and understanding of the scriptures in the heart and minds of those who uh, needs to be uh, to, to help them to see the truth. And everyone who has trusted in Jesus Christ, that this teaching will be a source of strength um, in, in their faith and, and, um, and give us wisdom and able to also to use these means of studying your word to able to bring light to others who may have a lot of questions or, 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 or uh, doubts concerning uh, your existence. May you bring it to reality and that you may shine Christ as their Lord and Savior. In his name I pray this. Amen. Okay. Here's uh, the larger catechism question of the Westminster. It says... Uh, how do it appear, excuse me, how do it appear that there is a God? And the answer is the very light of nature in man and the works of God declare plainly that there is a God, but his word and spirit only do sufficiently and effectually reveal him unto men for their salvation. So, how do we know or in what way that God reveals his existence. Well, in a general revelation, what that means is that God generally reveals himself to all mankind without exception of his existence and holds and holds mankind without excuse for this knowledge. How do we know there's a God? Well, God does make himself known plainly through the work of his creation. Listen to Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. 
so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him because they're because they became futile in their thinking and their foolish heart was darkened. That was Romans chapter 1 verse 18 through 21. Then Psalm 19 verse 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are their words whose voice is not heard. Their voice go out through all the earth and their words to the ends to the end of the world. Again, Psalm 19 verse 14 uh, verse 1 through 4. I'm sorry, Psalm 19 verse 1 through 4. I want to look at that very briefly here on each of these passages I quoted. It says here, first of all, the Apostle Paul in Romans um, it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Its theme of his Romans is that a man is justified by faith. There's a righteousness of God that he receives by faith, not his own righteousness through Jesus Christ. By the merits of Christ, we're justified in, the, in Christ alone, and we receive his righteousness imputed to us by faith and faith alone, not by works. Now, he, he starts in Romans, in Romans chapter 18, verse, excuse me, verse, chapter 1, verse 18, the, from chapter 1 to chapter 3, he reveals man's um, a miserable condition without a Savior. The man is under the wrath of God. And he explains why God's wrath is against all mankind without exception. In verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of man who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Here's, here's the first indictment. Here's the indictment of all of us by nature. We suppress the truth in our righteousness. So what God reveals himself through his work of creation and what does we do when we see the truth and know um, plainly that God exists um, and his mighty works reveal it. We suppress it. We, it, we, we rebel against it. Listen to the word of God again. Verse 19 in Romans chapter 1. For what can be known about God is plain to them. God is a great revealer. He's the great master teacher. When God reveals something, it is clear. It is obvious. God doesn't play games. He doesn't play hide and seek. He reveals himself. His glory exposes in all of what he does. He says, what can be known about God is plain to them. In other words, it's unmistakable. Next phrase, because God has shown it to them. It is plain to us because God has revealed it to us that of his glorious existence. And it also reveals some of his attributes, not as clear as the word of God, but his attributes is manifested by his um, glorious uh, uh, work of creation. For his invisible attributes, so God is by nature invisible. Someone probably 
and someone has mentioned it to me, and some, I'm sure many of you may question it. Well, I don't see God. I need to know that he exists. Well, you don't see God because it says here, for his invisible attributes of nature, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Even though God is invisible, his glorious attributes cannot be seen in the eyes of man. He is invisible, yet he manifests his, his divine attributes or some of his divine attributes, his eternal power and divine, divine nature by the things he has created, the things he has made, the things that is revealed before our eyes that we, we just at awe of his creation. So, the reason why you don't see God, because he is invisible by nature. He is a spirit. God is his spirit. He doesn't have a body like man by nature. And we speak of the triune God, one God, three persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's clearly perceived his eternal power. It cannot be, it's undeniable that God has his powers omnipotent and everlasting. Because when we see the creation of, of his creation that he created, all things in this earth and outside of this earth, the universe, I mean, just really, it just recently man can succeed the whole glory of God and all the universe and all the, the, the planets that hangs in midair by the word of his power, according to Hebrews chapter one. His eternal power and, and glory is manifested and how endless it seems in, before our eyes to his work of creation. Such beauty, such um, um, power, omnipotence that is revealed daily of God, it, it's revealed to them. He has revealed it to us. It is, it's so obvious. You know, when you see a building, how you know there's a builder? You can't see the builder. You've not met the builder, but you know there's a builder by, the, by, the, by looking at the building. When you look at a paint, how do you know there's a painter? By looking at the paint. He may have a signature down the bottom, who that person is. So it, it's, it's irrational to, 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 to deny or, or even demand and uh, uh, try to demand proof of God's existence where God has manifest his existence through the mighty work of creation. And not only that, but what is our response? We suppress the truth and the right. When we said we challenge God's existence or challenge or say to there is no God, be an atheist, what we're doing is we are vindicating why God is wrath is upon us because we had taken the very obvious things and very plain evidence that God has revealed to us and we're suppressing it. But also, it's clear in this passage that God made it so clear to us of his glory and power that he holds us an extreme accountable for this truth and knowledge. It says here, have been, clear, have, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that, that have been made, so they are without excuse. That's verse 20. And then verse 21. 
Here's the indictment. For although they knew God. Isn't that interesting? This word of God, God says from his word, the word of God says, you, everyone know God does exist. He's hold everyone without excuse. There's no excuse from anyone to say there is no God. Oh, God doesn't prove, uh, give enough evidence of his existence. No. Not only God made it plain, but he hold us accountable of this clear revelation of his glory through his mighty works of creation and providence. And he also said, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave him gave thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish heart was darkened. See, the issue is not God uh, not given enough um, proof of his existence. God has made it clear. We all know there is a God. The issue is with us because we suppress that truth and in, in rebellion, it says in uh by their own, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. He says, "He the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth." So we knew that God, we know that God exists, but we would not give Him all the glory and honor and thanks and worship He's deserved to receive from us as His creature. But we became futile. Of vain in our thinking, and our foolish heart had, were darkened. The issue is not um, God; the issue is with us, and we we suppress the truth because we are by nature ungodly and unrighteousness, and we do so in our unrighteousness, suppressing the truth, and our thought process and our thoughts, our thinking is in our hearts is filled with foolishness and vain thoughts, and we refuse to give glory and honor to God who we knew, we know clearly of his existence. What an indictment. What a, what a terrible situation we create ourselves. And what a terrible thing to, to say to God that uh, you, you don't give us enough evidence of proof. There's no proof of evidence of God. But meanwhile, we know him, of his existence because his glory is everywhere in the creation, in the heavens, in, in um, earth, and, un, and in the, under the sea with all the glorious uh, creation of the fishes, of uh, the birds in the air, and, and all the reptiles, and the birth of a, of a, of a, of a human being. Um, and, and it just goes on and on and on. We are held without excuse. God reveals his existence also by his providence. Providence simply means that God preserved, caring, and governing all his creatures and all their actions by his wisdom and power. Listen to Acts chapter 14, verse 16 through 17. In past generation, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. That is, at the time where God only dealt with Israel, directly in special revelation as far as revealing his word and so on, the promises of the Messiah, other nations were left in the dark at that time. Verse 17, Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying 
your hearts with food and gladness. Notice that. God has left a witness of all of us, his goodness by giving us rain from heaven and giving us fruitful season, harvest time, we get fruits and vegetables, we get our, our food, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. <clears throat> All mankind, without exception, God bear witness of his goodness by his provision, for providing every man's needs according to his purpose and will. And the portion of that he, he gives is up to his good pleasure. Some may have some portion of his, receive some of his portion in, in a very uh, minimal way or, or, or overwhelming, but nevertheless, he bears witness of his goodness that every man eats or drinks or receive fruits or veggies um, and, and satisfying their hearts with food and gladness. Especially in this country, United States of America, in Europe, in other parts of the world, yes, there are famines, yes, there are poor people, but even they re- receive some portion of God bear witness, God bear witness, some of even the poor people of his goods providing some provision for them, no matter what the portion he chooses to give. God bear witness that he is a good God, that he provides and man does not, uh, is not left without witness by uh, of God. So, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 40, uh, verses 43 to 45. I'm sorry, my, my mouth is getting very uh, <laughs> dry talking too much. You have heard that it was said, you, sh- you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rains on the just and the unjust. So God's common grace of love and compassion and care for all of his creatures and, and man by his sending uh, rain and and sends, um, he makes the sun rises on the evil and on the good and sends rain for the just and the unjust. God bear witness of his goodness and grace both to unbelievers and believers. He also bear witness in our conscience. Everyone by nature, whether we have the word of God or not, knows that lying is wrong. Know that stealing is wrong. Know that stealing someone's wife, adultery is wrong. Knowing that, um, um, you know, um, murder is wrong. Now, how is it that a person who may not even seen the Bible, but know that this these things are true, knowing can actually make it the sermon that lying is no good, uh, murder is no good, and even if the person commit lying or stealing or something, that their conscience uh, bear witness of and troubles them when they do commit this. Well, here's the truth. Here's what the Word of God said. Here's the reason why. In Romans chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. For when the Gentiles who did not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show that the work of the Lord is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bear witness, 
in their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of, of men by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus. Very, very, God has written the law in our conscience. And that's why uh, we're able to understand what's, what's right and what's wrong. And when we do what is wrong instead of doing right, we go against our conscience and that becomes a, uh, a burden. And we, we, we um, pollute our conscience constantly because we do not always, or if not ever, do what is uh, what the law requires in our conscience to do perfectly. So, the question now is: Is the issue of some people now is is the issue with some people who do not believe in God's existence is an intellectual problem or is it a moral problem? Well, it's a moral problem in a spiritual way, as we looked at in Romans chapter one, verse eighteen through um, eighteen through um, <clears throat> twenty-one, that man in their unrighteousness suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And we and we knew God, but we refused to give honor and glory to God and, and praise him and thank him and worship him. So it is, a, it, the issue is not that God didn't leave um, uh, enough evidence, nor is this a intellectual issue where we cannot understand it or intellectually know the existence of God. That That is not possible because God plainly reveals himself to us and he holds all men without excuse. But also Psalm 14 verse 1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. So we see in some, this is this fine, a person who believe, says there is no God is do so foolishly. As we as I exhaust them explaining from Romans 1. And also notice the uh, moral um, character of an atheist or anyone by nature, all mankind by nature, but especially one who uh, insists uh, suppressing the truth, suppressing the conscience um, about the the. the the truth who God is, that the knowledge he's received in general revelation for in, in his creation, all that. He is a fool in his heart. They are corrupt. They do abominable things. There is none that who does good. We are by nature are atheists in heart that we don't want uh, God to be God in our, in our lives. We're rebelling against God. We, we, we want to create our own God. And we don't want to be held accountable in such, such a, an expression of rebellion is uh, manifest our corruption and how abominable we are without God's mercy and grace through Jesus Christ. Uh, can we be saved through this by natural revelation? That is the revelation that God reveals himself through creation. That is that alone could help anyone to, to be saved from their sins and the wrath to come. And the answer is no. Because God has ordained 
his, the word of God as a means to save sinners through Jesus Christ by faith. The word of God is, is the only sufficient revelation for salvation. Um, <clears throat> Romans chapter 10, verse 12 through 17 says, For there is no distinction between Greek, a Jew or Greek, Jew and Greek, I'm sorry. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to bear to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, the good news. But they have, they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Romans 10, verse, 10 through, uh, verse 12 through 17. So God has ordained the means of the word of God, the preaching of the word of God, and he sends missionaries and preaching uh, ministers so man may hear the word of God and by God's grace will hear it and believe and be saved. And this is what is called special revelation. This is given unto everyone who hears the gospel when God sends the word out. This is uh, the only means how anyone is going to be saved from sin and from the eternal wrath of God. It's only by the word of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 5 through 17. It says that uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable or useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped unto good works. I skip verse 15. I'm sorry. Let me go back to verse 15. And from the childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the Bible, the word of God, the gospel, the, is the, the only means that God reveals himself and, and reveals his son, Jesus Christ, as the only remedy for our uh, miserable condition, that repentance and faith in his son is the only way to be saved. Creation, revelation of God's glory and creation only holds man without excuse of that light. But the, 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 the greater light, the most glorious light, is the message of the gospel through Jesus Christ. By faith of whom that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune Godhead, became a man, born in the, in the womb of, of, of the virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, became fully God and fully man, who is fully God, became fully man, fully God and fully man, one person, two distinct nature, and to become a mediator or substitute sacrifice uh, at the cross to save his people from their sins. In fact, uh, the, 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 the name Jesus means he shall save his people from their sins. Christ came to save sinners and rescue them from their sins and from the eternal penalty, and that we may have eternal life by faith in him. 
okay, faith and repentance through him, that we have eternal life. He rose again on the third day. To, he, he died and was crucified on, on, on the cross and buried according to the scriptures. And he rose again and seated at the right hand of the Father according to uh, the scriptures. He is a living Savior, a living Messiah. He is a living God. All authority is given unto him. Heaven and earth, he says in Matthew 28, <clears throat> Jesus Christ is Lord, a living Lord, a living Savior, and He will give have, and um, He will give eternal life as many as the Father gives Him, according to John seventeen verse two. Although we have the the Word of God, the special revelation, and the Word of God is uh, is reaching out to uh, almost all men. And all men have heard the gospel to, in, uh, to a degree. Not every man without exception, but there's some, many who has heard it. Many of you have probably heard it more than one time. Or maybe this is the first time you heard it. But nevertheless, it was God who's bringing the word out to you. Okay? But that's not enough to be saved. Because our heart is so hard, we will suppress not only the truth of the the existence of God, but is by nature will suppress the truth of the only way to be saved by God through Jesus Christ. We may suppress God's word by twisting what it says, denying the truth of it, denying the, the testimony of scripture, denying that Jesus is the only way, or creating um, more corruption of, uh, of a false Christian, Christian faith. So therefore, a man cannot be saved unless the effectual work of the Holy Spirit by using God to save his, his elect people without distinction, unlike general revelations given to all men without exception. In other words, whatever the gospel is being preached, it's not, it's not preached to every human being as, as natural revelation does. It reveals every man born into this world. But the gospel is revealed um, to, to, for all people uh, without distinction, not without, with exception. In other words, the gospel is going to go out to people who God sends the word out to. And he's going to save those whom he eternally purposed to save through Jesus Christ. And this is a miraculous work of God. When God regenerates us and become born again by the spirit of God, he opens our eyes to, um, to the word and the word um, becomes um, a, an instrument that God uses to bring the spiritual birth. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 through 25 having been born again not of corruptible, uh, corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which live and abides forever. Um, James chapter 1 verse 18 in the exercise of his will, that is God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we may be a, we may be a kind of first fruit among creatures. And last, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15, but we shall always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification and by the spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you, you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and so on. So what is the evidence and the proof 
that one has experienced the miraculous work of salvation through the gospel, when a person responds by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, believing and repenting of his sins and following him is the evidence of one who has experienced the spiritual miraculous birth um, through the ministry work of the Holy Spirit and through the gospel. In fact, I'll close with this in John chapter, the gospel according, uh, the gospel of John chapter one, it says this, um, ooh, I'm in chapter two, sorry. Okay. It says that, but all who receive, oh, let me go back to verse 10. It's talking about Christ coming into the world, that the Christ preexisted before he became man, that he was always God. He's the creator of all things. And then in verse 10, he was in the world as Jesus when he became born into the, in, in the world. And the world was created through him, as Jesus created, the Father created all things through Jesus Christ. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. That's the nation of Israel. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or the will of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. So what made what made the difference for these people? Why did these people believe? And become children of God, um, while the rest of the world and and the nation of Israel rejected him. What made them so special? Well, it was nothing in them in itself. They were they believe and became Jews, children of God. They received him, and they believed in his name because that is the evidence, not the cause, but the evidence that they were born not of natural descent, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. My friend, if you heard the word of God today, if God has opened your heart and spiritualized that you are lost in need of a savior, and you bow the knee, your your face before the feet of Jesus Christ and ask of him for mercy and forgiveness and repenting of his sins, it is because you've been born again. It is because God had mercy on you and opened your eyes and give you life in Christ, not because of anything you have done, because there was nothing you have done and there was nothing anyone could do to receive God's mercy and favor on our own because we are by nature in rebellion. As, we, as I mentioned in Romans chapter 1, we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We knew God, but we refused to glorify him and give him thanks. Uh, the Bible said there is none righteous, no, not one. We are, all our righteousness is filthy rags, according to Isaiah 64. We have nothing, there is, we have nothing and there is nothing in us that will move God to save us apart of his mercy through Jesus Christ. Repent and believe on him. Believe on the word, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And when you have become saved, we got, and you, we, uh, there's signs and evidence that the Holy Spirit has done a miraculous work and you repent and believe in Christ and surrender to his lordship, that is the evidence you've been born again and you have eternal life. 
So thank you for this time. I'll continue next week, Lord willing, concerning about the Word of God and, and, and how do we know the Bible is the Word of God. The Lord bless you. Bye-bye.